Welcome to Cradle to the Grave. My name is Jill and this podcast talks about anything to do with life's milestones, from literally birth to death, transitions and traditions, life hacks, inspirational men and women, law of attraction and manifestation. Phew, (laughs) that's quite a list. So keep listening and remember to subscribe to this channel if you enjoy these episodes. Now, on with the show. Today I'm talking to Claire Bradford, who I met in 2020 during the national lockdown when I decided to train as a celebrant online. This is part two, where we look at the funeral industry. Does it need to change? And what progress needs to be made? Weddings during COVID, and where the current legislation affects the legal status of independent wedding celebrants should they be able to conduct a recognised legal ceremony. Now, over the years, Claire has been an English teacher, she's worked for the Church of England, and she's been a life coach. When a celebrant took her father-in-law's funeral, she was inspired. Here was a role that involved all the things she loved to do. Years later, she still thinks her job is the best in the world, and she trains other people to do it too. During COVID, People have experienced death that were not anticipating it for a really, really long time. And suddenly they had this huge thing called, I've got to organise a funeral. Where on earth do I begin? Mm. They were lucky to work with someone who was prepared to really make it work in the kindest, most sensitive way possible under the circumstances, I am sure did a really great job for those families. And I'm not saying people have done a bad job. I wasn't there. It's not the point I'm making. The point is that the more we develop our capabilities and open up the industry, it can only benefit ultimately the families. And that sort of leads me on a little bit in this discussion, slightly away from training, but because of your amazing experience as a funeral celebrant, as well as weddings, and we'll get to weddings later, but in the short time that I've been immersed into this industry i i had no idea what really went on you know you just don't why would you so i would say to you and be as honest as you like (laughs) you know for want of being trolled on the internet about it (laughs) do you think that the funeral industry is ready for change oh there's a very good question um do I think that the funeral industry is ready for change? I think that the funeral industry is overdue for change, most definitely. I think it's. I think the industry as a whole is ready for change, but I think there are a lot of big movers and shakers within the funeral industry who are not ready or willing to change because they're doing very well out of the status quo. Thank you very much. That said, I don't think that there are many people who are actually consciously thinking that maybe I, I you know I like to think that optimistically that actually that they're more stuck in their ways and can't imagine a way out of it rather than purposefully sticking with the status quo because it suits them but I, I suspect there are a few so I yeah I think there's a lot that can change um but also I've seen in, in the time that I've been doing this job I've seen change really start to happen uh there's a there's a very growing and and vibrant death positive movement people are talking about death a lot more like you said you know we don't really think about the funeral industry until you're in it because it's still 
something that's not spoken about. People still don't like to think about death or dying or, you know, even now if people don't know that I'm a celebrant or um, or my daughter's talking about, oh, my mum can't come and pick me up because she's at a funeral. And even kids are going, oh, oh gosh, I'm, I'm really sorry and don't know what to say. And it's just, oh, no, it's fine. She, she's a celebrant. But this, it, it's quite interesting to me that it's so ingrained that even children are like, oh, oh we, we don't talk about that. We shut down. So, yes, first of all, the death positive movement is really helping people to open up. And as a result of that, it's shining a light on death and dying. But the funeral industry, of course, is right in the middle of that. And um, and I think in shining a light on that, there are some very shadow sides that, that are starting to be sort of seen and, and, and not approved of, <laughs> let's say. A lot of the time, a lot of a lot of the industry is is creaky. It's 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 doing what it's been doing for years and years and years. Like families will come to funeral directors. Not all funeral directors. Absolutely not all funeral directors. There are some amazing, fantastic, progressive funeral directors out there. I want to give a big shout out. I know you've already mentioned Louise at uh, Poetic Endings and there's Poppy's Funerals. But for example, I work with a wonderful um, um, a wonderful funeral director, Judith, who's a uh, award-winning she she runs uh, dandelion farewells for example as well as some other traditional funeral directors who also are starting to change their ways so they're not all like it but there's still a huge amount of funeral directors that a family will just go to because it's the funeral director that's in their high street or that their mum used or their grand used or whatever so they just go there and the funeral director says great okay grandma's died you want package a package b or package c and you know and, and they don't think to check they don't think to look further afield they don't they, because they're in the middle of everything you know it's it, it's just oh my gosh there's so much to do when somebody dies so they just think oh i'm going to go and, and ask the, the local funeral director and that's where i think sometimes people are being let down because we talked about choice and, and and all of that kind of thing within the ceremony, but within the funeral itself, there's so much choice and people think they have to go to the local crime or they have to go to the church and those are the only two options. And it's only later on that they find out, oh gosh, we could have gone to that beautiful venue down the road and, and we could have done this and that and the other and uh, and they wish they'd known. And that's where I think we need to change things. We need to open up the education of what is possible. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we, before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, choices that are available and it's surprising how much there is that you can do to tailor make a funeral in terms of like the kind of coffin you have whether you want a natural burial, whether you actually want a cremation and, and you know, the kind of, you know, um, urn for the ashes. It doesn't have to be the, the bog standard. There are so many beautiful artisanal things that are available that unless you've done the research, you wouldn't know about. And you're not going to research necessarily when you're grieving. Mm. So it posed the, the funeral directors to actually, in a sense, up their game. And not just to say on the website, you can have a wicker basket or you can have an acorn shaped um, ashes um, urn. It's actually because they're not going to go on a website, the family, they haven't got the mindset. Mm. So it behoves the, the funeral directors to actually say, you could go down this package route, but within that package, did you know you don't have to go necessarily for that kind of coffin or, you know, have you heard of a natural burial? You know, mm. it's, it's about the industry in the office speaking up and making those choices known. You know, it, it, it's, that's for me where a big change sort of needs to occur. But at the same time, 
opening up a, t- a taboo discussion in terms of educating, you know, the population, not to be afraid to actually talk about and think about so that when the time comes and those decisions need to be made, they can say, oh, gosh, I saw a documentary about natural burials and I bet mum would have loved that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's all there to be discussed and, 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 and opened up. Um, so, and again, as celebrants, you know, certain funeral directors just have their list of celebrants. And they're the ones they send out without even thinking. And they don't necessarily look for new people. And I don't really know at the heart of that what drives that sort of um, status quo. I could guess, but I'm not going to sort of say it online, you know, as it were. But I can imagine that it's probably easier for them. Whereas some funeral directors, you know, have their celebrants on a page on their website with a little description with their photograph and it's like a broad sort of selection of people that cover different kinds of ways of of leading a funeral and that gives the family the choice because they may not want a man leading their funeral and if that's all that's offered to them and they don't feel they can ask for a woman then automatically we have limited them yeah so why not have someone bright and colourful on your website or someone slightly more sort of restrained, but give them that choice. So with that in mind, let's be really specific. What are the things at the moment that we, not just the celebrants, but generally collectively feel we need them to change in the funeral industry? Ah, that's a good question. A $64,000 question. Um It's interesting because, like I say, I think there are a lot of good changes, uh, a lot of good funeral directors out there. But the problem is the ones who who aren't, like I say, those those shadow side. And then you said, for example, about the um, the, the, the funeral directors who use the same sort of three celebrants on, on a rotor. Yeah, I mean... Yes, there's that element of, oh, well, I know that they're going to, to do a decent job. But also the, a good funeral celebrant, and I would like to, uh, sorry, a good funeral director, and I would like to see this across all, all funeral directors, will match make the, that, that celebrant for that family. Just like, you know, when I said right early on in the conversation about, um, and you said as well, that you found your, your tribe in the Celebrants Collective, right? So, you know, we obviously love the Celebrants Collective, hurrah, but uh, don't, we're not for everyone. We're not the right training for everyone because other people might want a different thing or might want a different style. That's fine. And it's the same with Celebrants. We're not cookie cutter, you know, you get a Celebrant and they're all the same as each other. And that's, that's the point. And what I'd like to see is funeral directors really all across the board recognizing that as well as as well as things like you know you say coffin choices and ability to go to different venues and things to to really be open but to give people not yes an infinite choice but 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 not an overwhelming choice so kind of to curate their possibilities uh, according to what they feel is necessary but also to to give them the the freedom to to go beyond that as well so that's one another biggie that I would really love to see is that people start to see and perhaps funeral directors start to see as well that they don't have to be the only gatekeepers to the funeral world because there is this feeling that you do go straight to the funeral director but more and more celebrants are starting to uh, to appeal to people 
directly you know so they're on probably social media a lot more than your average funeral director is that kind of thing and people are out there and they see they see people and they hear about funerals and let's be honest as well even if you've gone to you know bob smith funeral director down the road that you're you've you've had your dealings with that person but but the thing that you really have most in your mind the the experience of the actual funeral itself is the funeral is the ceremony is that contact with the with the celebrant so um what i'd love to see if i could just wave a magic wand is that people would come to the celebrant first and go you're the kind of person that really floats my boats you know you're the kind of person that oh my mum would have loved you because you know you're bright colours or, or whatever it is and then the celebrant goes I'll tell you who would be a really good funeral director for you how about Bob Smith up the road you know to to turn it on its head would be fantastic I mean that's a long way in the future but I'd love to see that I don't think that's such a long way in the future because something that certainly popped into my mind over the last sort of couple of months is that actually in the same way one has a wedding planner who coordinates everything Who's to say you can't start a business as a funeral planner? In other words, someone that actually offers you all the choices, including funeral directors. Mm. Okay, here's the funeral directors that we have, that we work with, i.e. progressive, slightly more run-of-the-mill and price ranges, whatever. Say you have half a dozen maximum in the area, but they're all different with different styles and packages. Then recommended florists, recommended celebrants, recommended wake venues and just help them to in a sense you know feel like it's all being handled without them having to take it all on even to mm. the point of like organizing little souvenir sort of memory um uh, goods you know at the wake where you can take away a little packet of um seeds to plant in your garden to always remember that person or you know a, a book of condolence for the wake there's so many things that can be done and not necessarily costing vast amounts of, of, of money, but it's just giving people this stuff, this information. So I'm sort of half thinking that could be a, a profession I need to start, but who knows? But that's a whole other story. You know, it's vital, I think, right now following covid because the industry has been so under the microscope yes and the whole business of even the fact that you know crematorium workers weren't really recognized as key workers last year which was disgraceful because my goodness me the job they had more attendance you know how could we have done without their expertise and and commitment to their job that's a whole other podcast <laughs> so um I'm going to walk away from funerals for a minute because uh, people might get a bit depressed, although they shouldn't really, because I think it's been quite a positive conversation. But you are, of course, also a wedding celebrant. There's an interesting um, discussion going on right now. Uh, in fact, I think um, there's a paper or, or some sort of survey or commission being undertaken. You can correct me if I'm wrong about whether currently wedding celebrants can eventually become uh, licensed to conduct legal marriages because at the at the moment the only legal marriages are via um, a 
registry office or by a local religious leader, you know, priest or whatever, and that the celebrants, we're kind of just that nice little bit of extra. What are your feelings on that? This is something that's been boiling along for quite a long time now. So it's the Law Commission review that uh, is taking a, a big look at how weddings in England and Wales, because uh, it's separate actually from, from Scotland, um, are going to be conducted and can be conducted in the future. They've realised that the whole thing is outdated, fortunately, and they are looking at ways that they can change that. And one of those things is whether or not they will uh, allow celebrants, uh, independent celebrants, to be able to conduct legal marriages. Now, something that that is happening in Scotland, for example, in parts of Ireland and, and in some other places, is that humanist celebrants are able to conduct legal marriages. And, um, well, I won't go into the whole ins and outs of the humanist and the independent celebrants thing here, but uh, that I think that the idea... Um, was at first that it would be the same in England and Wales. And then obviously independent celebrants were going, oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> what about us? And so we've been, um, we've been sort of lit in on the, on the options and things as well. So, I mean, there are lots and, th- lots and lots of things that are going to be affecting this decision. Obviously, it's not going to be an easy one. However, they did put out a big consultation paper that people were invited to comment on. And I, I'm holding out a lot of hope, actually, that we will be able to conduct legal weddings. And partly because one of our kind of USPs as such, one of our unique selling points, is that we can conduct ceremonies wherever so at the moment as you say people can either have their the legal wedding uh, with a registrar or, or with a with a priest in a church but um, the registrars can only come out to licensed venues so at the moment the license for marriage actually sits with a venue and they have to pay x amount of money every year to be a licensed venue and do all the things they need to do for that whereas if the law were to change um, it would be the celebrant that would have the license. So you can still go out and do a legal wedding in a field or wherever or the back garden of that person. And it's such a fabulous thing to be able to do. And, and still so many people will say, particularly the parents of the couple, for example, oh, but it's not a proper wedding, though, is it? It's not a proper wedding, which, well, that drives me mad because I always say, well, if you go to a funeral and you think, oh, my goodness, that funeral was the most beautiful representation of that person's life it really gave us the chance to reflect on them to say goodbye in a loving way and to feel sort of that we were going into the future still hurting but but with a hope um, <clears throat> excuse me for the future but they didn't sign the death certificate in the ceremony so it's not a real funeral you, you, you wouldn't say that which is just like well no because that, that's a whole separate administrative thing to do. And it's the same when you have a baby, you know, you don't, you don't have to celebrate their birthday on the day that their, their, their birth certificate was, was signed. You, you celebrate it on the day when, when they came into the world. And I believe that the day that a couple stand in front of their friends and family and they say loving words of commitment from the heart is the day that they are, you know, they, they, that's the contract that they've made, a social contract. And yeah, they can sign the piece of paper. And if we can do that as well, oh, happy days. I would very much like that. I strongly suspect that there will be a boatload of stuff that we have to do with it, you know, tick boxes and paperwork and goodness knows what. And I'm sure I probably won't massively enjoy that part of it, but um, I am very, very hopeful that we'll be able to do very much the same thing that we're doing at the moment, but to be able to sign the piece of paper as well. And I'm hoping that um, any restrictions don't don't affect the actual 
content of the ceremony. I, I would be sad if I felt that we couldn't say certain things or we had to do a certain thing that would affect the feel of the ceremony. But we'll have to sit and wait. And I think it's going to be quite a long time in the process. I mean, government's got their hands full of <laughs> Brexit and coronavirus right now. So it's going to take a while, I think. I think, you know what, there'll always be something um, that keeping them busier than talking about weddings. But at some point, I think that discussion needs to happen. And, uh, you know, it's 2021. Come on, people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up and smell the coffee. Life has changed. We've moved on. And particularly, frankly, with the onset of what we call micro-weddings during COVID, where you've only been able to have a few people. Uh, at the moment, it's actually, I think, six. Um, mm. Um, wouldn't that have been lovely if they could have just done everything on that occasion? It just would have been so much, so much less hassle, so much less problem, and, and just like a feeling like, oh, we're going to have to do this all over again because this wasn't legal. Well, come on, you know. Anyway, as you say, it won't happen overnight, but when it does, we'll all deal with the paperwork, and that's oh. okay. And those yeah. who don't want to, Hey, you don't have to go go on working the way you want to work. But if you want that extra tool in your box, I would say do it. Yeah, I suspect there will be some celebrants who perhaps only do, you know, the occasional uh, wedding for I don't know friends or family or whatever you know mostly they perhaps either mostly they do funerals or perhaps they just occasionally do weddings uh, and they might say look let's just carry on doing the thing where you do the legal bit with someone else and then and then I'll, and I'll do your celebration because you know it's worked well for us so far doing that it's not like that's going to stop completely but for those of us who do more ceremonies and uh, and the the couples feel like oh I would really like to not have the hassle of doing the two things separately and all that kind of thing then uh, then that's great too. But, you know, even if it doesn't change, I still think in, in some ways the people who are looking for a really meaningful ceremony, uh, they, they kind of self-select in a way. And then that means that we get to work with people who really value a personalised ceremony and, and who really want to kind of focus on their, on their love story as part of the, as part of the ceremony um, and as part of the day. And they see that, that value and therefore happy days in a way. So uh, yeah, I, I hope it, I hope it does change, but I think we'll make it work even if it doesn't. Well, as with funerals, you know, we want people to have more choices. And I think for me, that's what it sort of, it, the essence of it is, is, you know, someone wants to have that choice to be able to have everything done on the same day by one person. Then why shouldn't they have that choice? Mm. Who are we to dictate? You know, it's, it's ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. Anyway, look, we've had this wonderful discussion and it's been such a pleasure to have you, be able to talk to you for this long period of time because normally we, we just have snatches of moments because your, your schedule and my schedule are quite manic and busy, but um, we are coming out of, gently coming out of lockdown. Things are very gently opening up. As I said, we can now have weddings with six people as we speak. Today's the 1st of April, 2021, and long may this gentle easing keep going. Um, it's all in our hands, of course, you know. <laughs> and who knows, in a year's time, we'll be back with a vengeance, big weddings, all that sort of thing. So I think my final question, and, and I have to congratulate you and, and Natasha on rising to the occasion last year and putting this course online, because a lot of companies didn't manage to get there. And mm. who knows why not? That's okay. They want to do it in a different way. 
but I think you, you as part of that progressive sort of way forward are, are very important. So um, anyone thinking about training, you know, I would say check this lot out first <laughs> and all the links will be, um, you know, available once this podcast is uh, available, which won't take too long. And I think my last question would be this. And again, it's probably got quite a long, long answer. What is your hope for the celebrancy profession moving forward? Well, huh, yeah, like you say, there's lots of long, long answers to that one. But I think what I'd really love to see is... You know, like I said, with with coaching, how how the, the people who kind of just got on the wagon for all like uh, an excitement, but kind of but didn't last very long for whatever reason. And I, I kind of hope I, I'm not trying to say that I, I want people to fizzle out. But I, at the same time, I, I'm hoping that there will be a really good quorum of really excellent celebrants who know what they're doing, who are experienced um, who are creative, but also new people coming on who are prepared to really give it their all and, and know that it's going to be a bit of a tough thing to start with, but are really dedicated. And then that people see these sorts of ceremonies and then people start to really go, oh, my goodness, I went to this amazing ceremony. It was led by a celebrant and I want to find a celebrant to do my ceremonies. Um, I'd love to see that, that, that not only that we have some excellent people out there flying the flag for for celebrancy but that it begins to educate the public in general so that people know to go into the funeral directors or into you know their, their wedding planning going but there is another way uh, it would be so brilliant to see that and I, I think in some ways and I know this is a double-edged sword in some ways I think I'd quite like to see some sort of regulation in a positive way because again like I say with you know with the trainings and with all the various things that there that it is it is quite a marketplace out there and not everybody is is great at it um yeah I, I think that regulation if done well can give us more freedom to to practice and also it can give people more trust and uh, know that they're in safe hands because you know there's someone to go to if if it all goes horribly wrong I know like I say I know that can be a double-edged sword and I'm sure that possibly I'd go why did I want that when uh, you know there's lots of things that we have to do and paperwork and tick boxes and, and it affects us but but I think in a positive way it could be really really good and I mean what we love to, to, to think about with the collective is that that because certainly our, the, the, the membership side of it is is open to people who've trained with all sorts of people or who haven't trained at all, but who have that kind of mindset, that positive mindset. So whilst we're not a regulatory body in any way, it'd be great to have a like-minded regulatory thinking, if you see what I mean. That that would be a, a wish. But but yeah, that more people were out there doing excellent ceremonies and that more people saw those excellent ceremonies and went, I now know what's possible for me when I come to do my next ceremony. I, I, I think that it's incredibly important points that you've raised in that and, and frankly all through our conversation I mean there's so much food for thought we could have probably recorded several podcasts <laughs> a series <laughs> exactly and maybe that we, we may have to come back in six months time if there have been some changes but I think here's my attitude to the whole situation as you have said celebrants became this big thing everyone wanted to be and certain people will fall by the wayside but my attitude always is that cream will rise to the top Absolutely. And those that really didn't have their heart in it or didn't see it necessarily as a proper vocation, but as something they could maybe do, 
they will fall by the wayside because it's so blooming hard to break yeah. into the industry and absolutely don't even be fooled into thinking you're going to get five funerals a week overnight not going to happen Mm. Weddings, likewise, you're going to have to really earn your stripes and work really hard to be visible, however you choose to do that. So forewarned is forearmed. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and I think that this, is, this was something that, again, when we were setting up the course, we wanted, we didn't want in any way to feel that we were putting, first of all, we didn't want people to be put off, obviously, completely. We still want them to do the course and to, to be celebrants, but we wanted them to be realistic about what was going on, what would what would actually be the case. So we wanted to be honest. And and one of the things that's that's quite important to us is that we have this kind of process of of application to come on the course. So people have to do uh, quite a long application form that asks uh, their experiences, and you know it's, it's a fun application form. Hopefully, as well, you know there's there's things to to be creative on, and uh, they they need to do a video as well because I, I think one of those things that was a concern for us at the beginning was that. There are a lot of people who do it on a whim and then they're out there and they're saying, oh, yeah, I'm a celebrant. But, you know, and, and they're kind of doing it, but but they're they're not perhaps either their heart's not particularly in it or they're not particularly very good. And that's why we wanted to have that application form in the first place, because if you can't fill in the application form and feel like, yeah, yeah, we want this person on our course, then probably it's not going to go very far as well. So, yeah, like I say, whilst I don't want people to fizzle out, I don't want people to, to kind of go, oh, that sounds great and, and do it without thinking either. So it's about coming onto it with an open mind, but also with a, a degree of tenacity and, 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 and knowing what's, what's ahead. Absolutely. I think, you know, we all will affect change in some way, provided we keep learning and being of the highest professional calibre we can be, being kind, being compassionate, and always being open to change and progression. And also being vigilant that stuff is happening that we don't know about, which could be really interesting. For example, the lovely Coffin Club ladies who I'll be interviewing shortly. Oh, I love them, Kate and Kate. The, the coffin club ladies and then you know there's a whole podcast hopefully on natural burials coming through soon i mean it sounds kind of like all my podcasts are going to be really sad but trust me they're not because the conversations are really lively <laughs> well that's the other thing i get a lot of people who say to me when they discover what i do and they'll say oh my goodness isn't it really depressing working in funerals all the time and i'm like actually it's it's so life affirming if if ever you can do a job that makes you realize every single day just how precious life is you know i, I remember really early on uh, in my in my celebrant career I, I was talking to somebody about the mind maps that i make after um after i have a, a funeral meeting and i end up having on a piece of a4 paper a mind map of somebody's whole life you know they might be 90 odd and and they've got their their piece their, their life on a piece of paper and it made me go if my life was on this piece of paper now, what would I want it to say? And, and, and is my life reflecting that right now? And if not, what can I do to change it? And that really made such a huge difference to me. You know, am, am I doing today what I think that if I knew that I only had five days left in my life, you know, God forbid, but um, would I be pleased with what I'd done today? And as it sounds maybe cliched, but it really is one of those jobs that reminds you all the time just how bloody amazing we are and how how much love there is in the world and how, how much, you know, despite imperfections and frustrations and worries and everything else, that it all comes down to love and, 
and just how precious life is. And um, yeah, I think it's anything but depressing sometimes. Yeah, obviously, sometimes it can be very sad, but it's, it can be so life affirming as well. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, we could go on for at least another two hours, you and I. I know. <laughs> and and. The discussion obviously raised so many other questions in my mind, which is brilliant. You know, that's the sort of interview we like to have, isn't it, Claire? Yay! <laughs> For now, we're going to have to say uh, a fond sort of farewell. So just again, want to thank you very much for giving up your time. Um, and uh, just to remind everyone that it's the Celebrants Collective. Perhaps you could give us the full uh, website address. Yes, yeah, so the, the Celebrants Collective website is uh, celebrantscollective.eu, but the courses site, so the training part of it is a slightly different website. You can get to it from the other, but it's um, celebrantcourses.com. And if you're interested, if you are a celebrant already and you're interested in just getting a taste of, um, of, of Celebrants Collective, you can join our community Facebook group and that's for, for everybody. And then if you like the, what you see, there's a membership group as well. Um, and if you're interested in training, sorry, there's a million things here that we've got a new Facebook group for people who are interested in becoming a celebrant because we were getting quite a lot of people wanting to join the, co the community group who weren't yet celebrants. So, oh, I should know it off the top of my head. I think if you search for So You Want to Be a Celebrant um, on Facebook, there's a group called So You Want to Be a Celebrant and we're, we're there as well. And that's for people who just kind of want to explore it and ask questions about being a celebrant and that kind of thing. That's actually a really good idea. I wasn't actually aware of that. Um, yeah, it's quite new. Because, you know, a bit of a reality check never does any harm, does it? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, before you invest your hard-earned money in any course whether it's you or anyone else. And that's part of the whole process of finding who you want to work with, who you can afford to work with, all that sort of thing. Good idea. Mm. Well, look, I am going to say thank you and um, not necessarily goodbye, but see you really soon. And um, I shall put all the links. But for now, Claire Bradford, thank you very much indeed. And thank you for having me, Jill. That's the end of part two of my interview with Claire Bradford about the celebrancy, funeral and wedding industry. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast channel. We'll be notified of future uploads. I appreciate you spending time with me and look out for the next episode, which is going to be all about the Coffin Club with its founders, Kate and Kate. Take care.